heavenly armor will enter the land. The battle belongs to the Lord. No weapon that's fashioned against us will stand. The battle belongs. Greetings and blessings. I'm Will Tompkins, and what follows is the introduction to a 17-week discussion on John Bunyan's timeless book, The Pilgrim's Progress. Of this book, Dr. Sarah Bradley, a noted commentator, wrote, There are many books available to be read, but very few are worth reading, and they are those which stimulate imagination and thoughtful, godly meditation. This is such a book. It is a vibrant, always new, living testimony of the road that Jesus paved for us. The book was written by Bunyan during the 12-year period he spent in jail for preaching without a license from the Church of England. Published in 1678, just six years after his release, it became an immediate success and made John Bunyan's name as an author. During the time of his imprisonment, Bunyan had only his Bible and a copy of Fox's Book of Martyrs. Think of it. No vast library, no internet, no research assistance. Just those two books. I can only imagine the enormous comfort he must have gotten from his Bible, as should we every day. By 1692, four years after the author's death, publisher Charles Doe estimated that 100,000 copies had been printed in England, as well as editions in France, Holland, New England, and Welch. By 1938, 250 years after Bunyan's death, more than 1,300 editions of the book had been printed. Reputable sources say it is just behind the Bible itself in number of copies sold. The edition selected for this discussion is The Pilgrim's Progress, From This World to That Which Is to Come. The editor of this edition is C. J. Lovick, L-O-V-I-K. The 13-digit ISBN number is 978-1-4335-0699-4. The publisher's foreword and the editor's introduction in this edition at the front of the book is a must-read. So you may ask, who who is it for? Why should we study it? Well, it is for new Christians who seek to find and travel the narrow way. And it is for old Christians who have forgotten just how narrow it is. And why should we study it? Because in the end, for new or old, there is only one road, one way, the narrow way. In today's culture, this is an unpopular message. Nevertheless, this is the living word of God. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Matthew seven thirteen fourteen, And this marvelous little book, Every page grounded firmly in Scripture will enlighten you in ways you would not have thought possible. And now, more about the story itself. Bunyan's signature narrative style in Pilgrim's Progress, which is allegorical, provides spiritually-based descriptive names to characters and places, 
Each character has a name like faithful, talkative, or little faith. And places have names like the arbor, bypath meadow, or hill of difficulty that illustrate biblical truths. They make dialogue sections compelling as readers see each character or place live up to their name while being taught a powerful spiritual lesson. The story of the Pilgrim's Progress begins with an understanding and conviction of sin and ends at the gates of the celestial city, just before which is the river, typically the most difficult part of the journey. It is then scripture put to an everlastingly memorable story where the names of people and places are symbols that are fundamental to the teaching of our walk as believers in our Lord Jesus Christ. And as Charles Spurgeon once wrote, next to the Bible, the book I value most is John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. I believe I have read it through at least 100 times. It is a volume of which I never seem to tire. And the secret of its freshness is that it is so largely compiled from the scriptures. So what is the underlying message of the Pilgrim's Progress? It is keeping the faith while surrounded by faithlessness. It is endurance through trials and tribulations. It is finishing the race. Acts 14.22 tells us that we must endure many afflictions to enter the kingdom of God. And Romans 5.3-4 And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So the message here is clear, isn't it? No matter what we must endure, we are to stand on the promises of God to the end. The main character of this book, Christian, will encounter all manner of trials and tribulations along his journey to the celestial city. And he will have great need for perseverance and for God's promises. One of the most important lessons of this book is often the most difficult for us to understand, and yet one of the most important for this place and time. And that is, our faith is revealed by trials and tribulations. This is a recurring theme throughout the book. In Hebrews 10, 38 we read, so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. That is the faith revealed in our trials. Does that describe your faith, loved ones? And in James 1, 2-8, we read, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. 
but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all ways. And now we find our pilgrim Christian in the city of destruction, where he is reading Revelation and realizing he must leave, for he is not ready to die, and he is not ready for the judgment seat. Revelation 8, 6-7. through seven. And the seven angels that had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. And the first sounded, and there followed hail and fire, mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth. And the third part of the earth was burnt up, and the third part of the trees was burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. Where is this city exactly? The city of destruction is where we live. Look outside your window. Look around you as you walk or ride somewhere. Look on the internet or visit a bookstore and take a hard look at the magazine racks. It's everywhere, and it is Satan's domain. From Dr. Bradley again, quote, The abundant life Christ spoke of is understood now to mean physical comforts of all kinds. The teachings of Christ and the apostles were quite different. Their preaching was about athletes in training, strangers and aliens to this world, and great battles to be fought and won. The battle that is raging for the souls of men demands that we be suited at all times with the complete armor of God, and any soldier who would put down his sword or misplace any of his armor during battle is to be considered most foolish. So as we begin this discussion, let us take these warnings to heart and steel ourselves against the evil one. And remember that we also are athletes in training, strangers and aliens to this world, and have great battles to be fought and won. Now having his own great battle to be fought and won, Christian sets out from the city of destruction. But where is he going? He does not know. He is paralyzed, fearful, and afraid. What about you, loved ones? Listen, when you cannot see God's purposes, you can and you must rely on his promises. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Deuteronomy 31.8 John Bunyan begins the narrative with this. As I walked through the wilderness of this world, I came upon a certain place where there was a den, and I lay down in that place to sleep. And as I slept, I dreamed a dream. I dreamed, and behold, I saw a man clothed in rags, standing in a certain place, with his face turned away from his own house, a book in his hand, and a great burden upon his back. I looked and saw him open the book and read therein, and as he read, he wept 
and trembled. And not being able to contain himself any longer, he broke out with a lamentable cry, saying, Oh, what shall I do to be saved? Now it's important to point out here that Bunyan's allegory, as he tells it, takes place in a dream, his dream. And in this dream, the den represents his prison cell. And what about the man he saw clothed in rags? Well, the man, of course, is our pilgrim, Christian. Isaiah 64, 6 tells us the rest. But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Meaning our own contrived righteousness is worthless. Only his righteousness is worthy. And what shall he do to be saved? Let's take a look at Acts 2, 36-37. And therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Acts 16.31.32 answers that question. And so they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And so as Christians' journey begins, so likewise our own. Let us pray. O Father God, On bended knees we come to you, grateful for your righteousness, your mercy, even your wrath. And Father, eternally grateful are we for your Son, our Redeemer, our Lord, our King of Kings, the Lamb and the Lion. May all that we do bring you glory and honor, Father God. And may the light of Jesus Christ in our hearts pierce the darkness and make visible the path for others that they too may find the courage to travel that narrow way all the way to your celestial city. Amen. Amen.